It's one of those business growth activities that we all know is important, yet many of us shy away from. Networking. It seems as though networking has become its own industry, fueling events, training programs, books, and angst. But there is great news from our expert guest. Whether you're a solo professional or leading a team, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, or somewhere in between, it's about knowing yourself and what she calls your people. She is the intentional networker. It's Patty Danucci on the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome to the Manager Message Podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. Here each week, we discuss the three foundational components for growing your business through messaging. First, there's the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want to share. There's also the ways to build a robust network of messengers who will help you share the message. And finally, management habits that will shape your culture and turn your improvements into a durable competitive advantage. Our firm belief is that it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. That means being intentional about the everyday conversations in and around your business. Networking touches upon all of these elements. It's knowing what to say and how to say it without it coming across as forced or inauthentic. It's also about connecting with other people whom you can help and who can help you as messengers for your business. And it's about finding the right habits for growing your network, including which events, opportunities, and relationships to focus on. Our guest, Patty Danucci, has earned her tag of the intentional networker. Patty began as a marketing communications executive and then as a freelance writer and consultant. Then she began Danucci & Company, a referral service firm based in Austin, Texas. She helps businesses connect to the best experts and resources they need for their important projects. She's a frequent speaker and very active in the National Speakers Association and quoted all over the media. She is the author of The Intentional Networker, Attracting Powerful Relationships, Referrals, and Results in Business. And now, Patty has finally made it to the Manage Your Message podcast. Patty, my sense is that business professionals appreciate at some level the benefits from being an intentional networker, but might approach the process of networking with all the enthusiasm of a trip to the dentist. So I'm hoping <laughs> that you can not only be our expert, but maybe you're our networking therapist as well. Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of people that are, for whatever reason, they, they don't want to take the time. It feels awkward. They don't know where they should be networking or who they should be networking with or what kinds of conversations they should be having. But on the opposite side of the spectrum are also the people who love networking, do it a lot and do it with great enthusiasm, but may in fact be doing it in ways that actually don't help. So there's that full spectrum right there. Well, I think we're going to have some great tips and guidance for people, no matter where they fall on that spectrum. One of the things that I, I really liked about your approach in the book 
is you don't go into immediately some long list of tactics or hacks. That comes a bit later. You you really begin by helping people get clear on who they are professionally, where networking fits for them, and where they ought to be concentrating their efforts. So what is that self-assessment in your people? Why does that come first? Wow, because it's the foundation for everything. I think, you know, step number one is knowing who you are. And not only knowing who you are as a person, understanding your personality socially, like perhaps you're an introvert, maybe you're an extrovert, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, an ambivert. That's what I am, which gives me both perspectives. Knowing what you're all about, what is your business all about, what is your business personality, getting really clear and defining and understanding and honoring you know, who you are, what you're all about professionally and personally, and then understanding what you want from both a big picture perspective, as well as moving down through what your tactics are, what your checklist items are, what your goals are. And then this is number three, showing up according to one and two. That is huge. i remember going to many, many networking events throughout my career and having interesting conversations with people, but not being very clear on what exactly they were doing, if they were going to continue doing it, or if it was a temporary thing, and what exactly they wanted from me. I like to help people, and I think that's a huge part of networking. But the clearer you are about yourself, gives you the authenticity, the clearer you are about what you want, allows you to be more purposeful and clear when you're talking to people. And then showing up accordingly is what builds trust. So it allows people to know, like, trust, and help you. Does that make sense? It does. I want to go back to uh, a term that you used just a moment ago, ambivert. It's mm-hmm. been interesting. As I coach people in terms of their, you know, building their sets of messengers. And I think there's some a very happy news in the whole literature of what we're learning about ambiverts. So message managers, there are the introverts on one side of the scale and the extroverts on the other. You're probably familiar with those. But what about people in the middle? And there was some really interesting research. Patty, I believe it was Adam Grant who did some of the original research on this and studied the personality characteristics and the results of salespeople out in the field. And what he found, he was testing the proposition that we have all been under for probably two generations in business, is that extroverts are the best natural persuaders. They're the best salespeople, right? They're aggressive, they're bulletproof, they're enthusiastic, they will always make that approach. What they found is in reality, out in the field, it was the people in the middle who did the best, controlling for all the other factors. And so when you think about it, it makes some sense, right? Introverts might not have the energy or might not have the inclination to take advantage of all those opportunities. Extroverts tend to not listen very well. So people in the middle, and their term is ambivert, kind of like ambidextrous, right? So you use both hands equally well. So ambiverts are in the middle and they're the people who are most naturally wired for good conversation of both soaking it in and dishing it out. What's also good about this is 
like most psychological characteristics, it's kind of a bell curve. In other words, most of us are in the middle. We're not in the extremes. So most of our listeners are probably ambiverts, and that means they're naturally wired for all of this. So if you have any sense of that networking is a game for extroverts, I'd like to disavow you of that and talk about the hidden superpower, frankly, the common superpower that most of us naturally have. I will agree with you that there seems to be a bell curve. And, and again, I'm not a psychologist, but I have done some reading about introverts and extroverts. Susan Cain has a fantastic book called Quiet, and it's about introverts. And there are exceptions to everything. Extroverts, they get their energy from being around other people. A lot of this is energy. Introverts get zapped by being around other people, although... You may be surprised. Some of the chattiest people you know might be introverts because that's their way of coping. Like it's just uncomfortable for them. So they chat. And I have a friend who's a very chatty introvert and she's a great salesperson, I might add. But there are a lot of us in the middle. There's a huge spectrum. And when I ask people in my audiences or when I do webinars and I ask in the polls, where do you fall on the spectrum? There is a bell curve. A lot of people are pleasantly surprised that there's this thing called being an ambivert where you can flow back and forth. And being one of them myself, I find that I have to pay really close attention to how am I feeling right now? What do I need right now? Do I need to be around people or do I need to retreat? And that's a huge thing of self-management right there. It is. And I'm an ambivert as well. I haven't been tested for it, but it seems to be pretty clear. We kind of take the extrovert as a given. We've talked about ambiverts, but we also mentioned introverts. And there are a lot of them, and they have their own talents that may be applied to networking, good listening, ways to help. So what have you found when it comes to the introverts in our audience? Where do they have strengths that they can apply to networking? Well, you mentioned one of them, and that's that they're really good listeners. I think when they speak, they tend to say something that's pretty profound. I have some wonderful friends who are introverts, and they actually have a calming influence on me personally. I, I don't know about you, but there are definitely introverts that are awkward to be around and, and can be draining because you're having to do so much work to draw them out. But I have some introverted friends that are just so calm and so grounded. I guess is a good word. And, and they spend a lot of time thinking and they're very creative. And I just read something, mm, I'm thinking it's in the Wall Street Journal, that introverts are very productive because they know how to get focused and put their head down and get to work. Whereas sometimes the extroverts are spending a little more time chatting, hanging out at the water cooler, coffee maker. But introverts are fantastic networkers. And they've really benefited from my book. I have a couple of introverted friends that said they went from what they call not working <laughs> to networking. <laughs> and, and they found some solace and some satisfaction and some relief in reading what I had to say in my book, The Intentional Networker. And it's also interesting, Patty, because you're very active in the National Speakers Association, but there are a surprising number of very good, experienced speakers who are natural introverts, but they've been able to get a lot of their content from their ability to soak in context and do that sort of deep thinking. And then they kind of preserve their energy for those moments when they need to get in front of an audience. That's right. And you know, 
there are many times, this is going to sound bizarre, but once I got used to speaking professionally and being in front of groups, there are many times when I find that that's easier than trying to make small talk with somebody. I've planned out what I want to say. I can see the people in the room. I'm I know we're not supposed to say as speakers, we get energy from our audience, but let's face it, sometimes we do because it's it's fun and it's you're helping people. But as much of an expert, quote unquote, as I am, I have as much angst and dread walking into a room full of people I don't know as any introvert that I know. It's still difficult. And if, if I can throw in a solution to that, it's plan ahead come up with some questions. We'll start getting into my new book, which will have some of this in it. Having good questions in your back pocket is the secret, I think, to breaking the ice and diving deeper and learning about other people and getting the answers to the questions you seek. That is the secret I'm learning to good networking. So having some things in mind, questions you can ask typically about the other person that they can get it rolling. One of the things that you have in your book, The Intentional Networker, a phrase that I think is really important, you said, every moment doesn't have to be a networking moment. I'm just guessing, Patty, that as a networking expert, that a lot of people want to come to you and tell you about horror stories of networking events. Someone asked me, and they asked me very nicely more than once, if I would come to a speed networking event. And that was 90 minutes that took about two weeks. Can I just say some some of my least favorite networking terms? Because I just feel like I, I need to share them because they're such a part of the networking vocabulary. And I will tell you, I don't like them. So I'm just going to list them off if, if I may. One of them is speed networking. I know it's a way real quickly to hear somebody's name and find out what they do and all of that. Okay. That there's a little bit of validity there. The second term I don't like is mix and mingling. I just think that sounds weird. I don't like the term elevator pitch because who wants to be trapped in an elevator with someone giving you a sales pitch? Working the room. That's another one of my least favorite. I mean, those all sound so stressful, don't they? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know what you think. What do you think? Well, I will share with you, um, I really don't like the term elevator pitch either because I think it conjures up not just being trapped in an elevator, but the sense of that you have this compressed monologue about yourself of you know cramming a bunch of things in. It's not a conversation. I understand the the thought behind it. And if I talk to people about their elevator pitch. Let's unpack that a little bit. Really what you want to be able to do is in a brief couple of sentences, be able to get across the essence of, of what you do. That's a laudable goal, but uh, you're right. The, the whole format of an elevator pitch and the discussion about working the room and speed networking and all those, I'm not sure how much value really comes out of all that. I'm sure there's some kind of value, but what you have to endure to get the value, I think doesn't fit all personalities. I mean, again, the extroverts who love being around people, maybe they love it, but maybe the people around them don't. I don't know. There's just a lot of terms that have to do with networking. I think the term networking itself, I don't really like, but you know, I had to put that word in my book title because that was what people search for. Why don't we call it just connecting or 
building relationships, expanding. Building relationships. That's the huge thing. I I do something at the beginning of a lot of my presentations and I ask people how they feel about networking. And it's about a 50-50, you know, at first they come out with the answers like, oh, it's connecting, it's building relationships. And we get through all the really positive stuff, which is very great. And then people start saying what they really think. And it's often... I get a full range of interesting words, some that I can't even repeat here. So it's very interesting. I thought you were going to say, well, it it tends to be split about uh, 50-50. About half of the audience will say that they they don't care for networking and the other half really hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. No, well, here's here's an interesting thing. I was getting ready to speak at a an event and a gentleman who was going to be in the audience came up to me and tried to impress me with how much he liked networking. He was a lawyer by trade, had his own business. And he said, oh my gosh, I love networking. I can't wait to hear what you say. And what you teach us today? I mean, I could network 24 seven. I belong to like 16 different groups. And the first thing that ran through my head was, when do you work with your clients? I mean, it just sounded a little over the top to me. Like maybe you should be in the game show host business rather than <laughs> law, <laughs> well, practicing law. There could be people who confuse the process of networking with enjoying the sound of their own voice. So yeah, perhaps I don't a know. Bit of that. I'd like to, for our listeners to uh, talk just a little bit, because I think there's a, there's an important intersection with face-to-face networking, with natural everyday conversations and the role of social media. Yeah. I'll begin with, there's some research that came out that I found it was, it violated my expectations, but it was really profound. Jonah Berger, who is a Wharton School professor and an author and a speaker, did some research about word of mouth and how much of it these days among consumers happens in the online world, both review sites and social media, et cetera, versus old-fashioned offline face-to-face communication. And I would have expected it would have been about 50-50 with the growth coming on the social media or the digital side of things. And Patty, what was surprising to me is that 93% of word of mouth happens offline and only 7% is online. Now, I don't think that that Mm. means that the social digital world is important. I think it it sets a lot of, it frames a lot of expectations and it, it certainly is growing. But even in a digital world today, I mean, the the action for people trying to grow their business still is very heavily on on face-to-face conversation. That's really interesting. But I, I don't know how I feel about that statistic because I know recently I've done a lot of a lot of the people I've done business with, I've looked on Yelp, but of course I'm doing a lot of home remodeling right now. So that's where the information (laughs) happened to be. But the whole thing of referrals, recommendations, talking through everything from who's your barber or your hairstylist to, you know, finding a good babysitter to finding a good attorney to, well, you know, after being at say, our speakers conference last summer, you and I both know that there are a lot of conversations that happen there and a lot of a lot of recommendations for people who can be of help to those of us who are running our own businesses. That's very interesting. But it's a, regardless of where that statistic lies, a recommendation or a referral has a lot of weight to it. And if I can slip in a little bit of some of my thoughts there on referrals. When we get referrals, it's always awesome as far as resources. But 
One of the things that I try to teach people about networking is, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm about referring our friends to other friends and introducing our friends to other friends. That's, you know, one of the signs of being a really good networker is helping your people get connected to other people. And I truly believe that doing that really, really well and with a lot of courtesy and a lot of thought is a really big part about being a really good and a very intentional networker. I have an entire chapter devoted to how to give good referrals and good introductions. Well, let's talk about that a bit, because I think in that, I mean, we do want to help our friends on both the provider and the consumer side of things. You know, it's the same sort of inclination that we have if we went to a a great new restaurant or saw a movie or read a book or something that we found valuable is we want to let other people know about it. It makes us feel good and we're, we're adding value. But there's always a, the mantra that I try to keep in mind is diagnosis before prescription, right? Oh, so I, like I want to understand the situation. And so if someone asked me, hey, do you know a good realtor or do you know a good home builder or know a good, whatever the case might be, is to from my standpoint, ask a question or two and understand the context of what they're looking for, because not every speaker, consultant, architect, lawn service provider, babysitter, they're not all the same and they're not all equally good fits for every situation. So I would love for you to get your thoughts a little bit about how to receive a referral and how to give a good one that'll be valuable. Yeah, I, I think basically, you know, it, and you, you said it very well there is, you know, diagnose first, ask some questions, find out what they're looking for. I often ask permission. Let's say I'm talking to somebody at a networking function, social event. And by the way, networking can happen anywhere. I've had really great conversations happen in a retail store at the mall <laughs> or on a plane or or while I'm walking my dog. I mean, it can happen anywhere. And, and asking a few questions about, hey, what are you looking for? What would constitute a high quality connection for you? And let's say, like, for example, right now I have a friend who's just moved back to Austin and she's been gone for about eight years. Things are very different now here in Austin. She's lost touch with some of her old contacts. She wants to get reconnected. And a huge thing for me is I need to know what is it she's looking for now. And I am being very selective and I have people in mind I'd like to connect her to, but I'm going to those people and asking permission to make that connection because I don't want my friends getting random emails from anyone and then coming back to me and going, what was that all about? You know, I I don't understand why you've connected us or geez, I just don't have time to deal with that right now. So I don't want to make any assumptions on how much time people want to take dealing with the people I send their way. I had a recent experience, Patty, very close to that. I, it was an unsolicited phone call from a person who's in the uh, financial planning world. And this person uh, had left a voicemail for me and had mentioned, said, I have, by the way, been helping people like our mutual friend and gave this person's name, who is a friend I've had for 15 years. And so, and I thought that was a little bit odd because I had not, I would have expected to have heard from that friend of 15 years. First. Exactly. That didn't happen. Well, I had not seen that friend in a while, but I was at the grocery store a few days ago and saw that very friend. I didn't even bring it up. 
so I, I'm just assuming that that person did not know that his name had been dropped from someone who was out scouting for new client prospects. But uh, it was it was all just kind of very uncomfortable. Well, and you, you make a really good point there. Sometimes people will drop our names in, I guess, dropping our names in vain or dropping our names inappropriately. I've definitely had people call me and say, I don't know why you sent this person, but they said you recommended me, you know, them. And when I thought about it, it's like, no, I, I never did. <laughs> I don't even know how they got your name. Or maybe they, they inflate how well they know you. They say, oh, she's recommending me. When in fact, maybe you mentioned the name in conversation, but did not make the recommendation. The whole point I think here is that making connections, whether it's me introducing two friends or me referring a friend to another friend for a business connection, you know, like let's have these two people do business together, doing it with as much courtesy, tact, and thoughtfulness, I, I think is the key. And there are so many people that get so enthusiastic about connecting each other. And I love the enthusiasm there. I love the intent I love their heart for wanting to do that and their generosity, but it can go badly pretty quickly. And whoever is making referrals or introductions, it's their reputation that is going to be at stake. And so you want to make sure that your reputation doesn't take a nosedive because you've been careless. This is great guidance message managers. Patty Danucci has built a thriving business of essentially being a matchmaker with their corporate clients and resources that they need. And, and that comes from having a good understanding of the needs and wants and fears and angst of both sides of that equation and having a good fit. And I would just presume you would, and really any of us, would be better having a medium-sized network of people, but they're enthusiastic and, and you have really good mutually beneficial relationships versus a large network that is just really kind of a mishmash. You know, it's so easy to be a business card collector. And what I tell people is to think more like a curator rather than a, a collector or worse, a hoarder. I mean, like how it's not about how many people are in your database or on your LinkedIn or your social media. It's really about the quality. And, and the good news here is, you know, that study on the six or seven degrees of separation Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon. That's, that's, that's the name that always comes to mind. That's actually a study from 1967. And today, the statistic is that you're only one or two people away from anybody you want or need to meet. So if you're very careful and courteous and intentional and determined, you can probably get an introduction or an audience or at least get a LinkedIn connection with almost anybody, obviously within reason. There are some people that have top security all around them. But it's so interesting to me that social media and our more globalized economy and lifestyle has allowed us to be that interconnected. So let's talk about how to be strategic on all this. And I, something you mentioned as an example a moment ago, I think is a great entree into this. So this is not quite like a, uh, a pop quiz or a word association, anything like that. But given your, your expertise here and your experience, I thought 
maybe we could go through some common networking or network-related scenarios and, and just your thoughts about how people might approach it. Okay, so let's say for someone who maybe inadvertently has been a uh, relationship hoarder for a while, as, uh, as you mentioned. So going through, uh, for example, I just changed CRMs and it's, it's, it's been kind of a mess. So, so let's say people are going through their customer relationship management school, their social media connections, their stack of business cards they've collected over time, whatever that yeah. might be. And you see there, you know, there's some people that I just haven't spoken to in a while and I'd like to reconnect with them, but I'm feeling, you know, this is a little bit awkward, right? You know, I, I haven't reached out. I've, I've been out of touch. Do you have any guidance? You know, you looked at that, that set of people that we'd like to re-engage with of what might be the, the nice, thoughtful way to do that? That's a great question. Well, the first thing that I would say is do it with great humility. I think we all know people that only reach out to us when they need something. And, you know, you can immediately tell. And so I'm a big follower of um, the whole concept of dig your well before you're thirsty Jordan Harbinger talks about that a lot. Is he the first one? I, there are a number of people that think that's oh, attributed to it. That I'm, is, I'm I did not, not sure come up the, with that. <laughs> I, let's just be clear. First, I did not come up with that. So do it with great humility. I'm kind of in that situation right now. And what I've been doing is, depending on who it is and depending on my mood, I will sometimes just send out an email or sometimes I have to go on LinkedIn because emails go out of date really quickly. People change jobs. They change their email carriers. They shut down an email because it's getting so full of spam and garbage. So I, I reconnect with people and I make it about them. I say, you know, hey, Connie, or hello, Connie. That's probably the better way to do it, depending on how close your relationship was over the years. Hello, Connie. I just was thinking about you the other day, wanted to reconnect, want to know what's going on in your world. Do you have time for a quick phone chat? And that kind of opens it up and puts it in their court. And amazingly, people respond to that. And what's even better if you're in the mood is if you have their phone number, call and leave a voicemail. Assume you're going to get a voicemail because a lot of people don't pick up their phones anymore with all this spam bots that are calling and just leave a nice message. Talk about a memory that you share or something that you just did. Here's what I just did recently. I was going through my photos on my computer and found a photo of myself and my friend Monica, who I have not seen in 10 years. And the photo is from a really fun event that we went to. And it just brought a lot of happy memories back. And so I went onto Facebook Messenger and I just said, hey, Monica, I just found that picture from that anniversary event at the Long Center. Remember how much fun we had? It made me realize how much I miss you. Let's get together for coffee sometime in December. And she responded. So you cannot make that outreach asking for a favor. Don't do that. Reestablish the connection first. Drawing upon a common experience, maybe saying, you know, sorry, it's been so long since I've reached out, but, and then uh, just give them the, the opportunity to respond. And my experience has been much like yours, Patty. They likely will. Yeah. So 
I mean, I love it when I hear from somebody. When when I heard from my friend that's just moved back to town, it was really fun to hear from her. And I, I knew not only her, but I know her sister. So it was just really fun to hear from her. We probably won't be able to get together for a couple of weeks. And that's the other thing is don't expect that everybody's going to drop what they're doing to have coffee with you or to take you to lunch or anything like that. In fact, you should be taking them to lunch, especially if you're asking for something. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to someone you haven't seen in a long time. And sometimes I even say, I'm not sure if you remember me. If it's somebody that I've only known really casually, I'll even say, I'm not sure if you remember me. And most of the time they respond and say, of course I remember you. But I'm not trying to make any assumptions on any level. Give them some context. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Let's try an, uh, another scenario. So you mentioned about a friend who was coming back to Austin. Let's say someone is for, um, you know, they've got out of school or they've been moved for their job, et cetera. They're moving to a new area and they don't have a lot of connections there in that space. So how might someone approach being the new kid? Okay. So this, oh, that's a great question. So what you might do to help them out, let's say, for example, one of my friends moved to San Diego and I know a few people in San Diego, but instead of blindsiding those San Diego friends with this person, giving their information to the person who's moving to San Diego, in other words, I contact the people in San Diego that I know and tell them what's going on. And I'll say, hey, my friend Jane is relocating from Delaware to San Diego. Here's a little bit about her. She doesn't know anybody there. It would be really fun. And I would really appreciate it if you'd wouldn't mind having coffee with her or at least having a phone chat just so that she feels a little more at home. You can decide how much time you want to spend on this, but I always ask permission first. And, you know, just depending on how many people you know in that area, I try to be selective on picking people that I think will click with each other. That's important. Excellent. Let's try an, another one or two here. How about that? Asking for referrals. And this, this can be um, a bit of a slippery slope. Again, you don't want mm -hmm. to be needy. And yet, it can be, I think, a giant zone of lost opportunity because if um, people don't know, you know, what is the appropriate time to ask or exactly what to say or maybe yeah. both. So granted, you know, a lot of times we might know people, but we don't know exactly what they do or, or whom they serve. So putting all that together... What would you say would be a good strategy and a kind strategy for people if they're saying, I, I just, I need to let people in my network know a bit more about what I do and, and see if they might know some areas where I might grow my business. Right. And you're right. It's a, it's a slippery slope. And I love that you said, I don't know how exactly you said it, that there's this gaping void between, it's like, I should say something. I mean, I, I need to have my business grow and thrive and I don't want to make the mistake of not letting people know what I do and not letting them know what I'm looking for. I think there's a huge difference between, let's say you just met somebody at an event. It's perfectly fine to tell them who you are, what you do, how you do it, who you serve, what the benefits are throughout the conversation without it being this long, memorized elevator pitch thing. But I know I would resent it if someone who I was talking to and had just met says to me, I'd really appreciate your referrals. 
if they came out and said it just like that, that would feel presumptuous to me. And I think you'll notice in my book, The Intentional Networker, the chapter on asking for referrals is way toward the end of the book. And there's a reason for that. It's because specifically asking for referrals and recommendations is something you earn. You earn the right to do that. So do you see the difference between saying who you are and what you do and all of that and letting people kind of digest that versus coming right out and asking? Those are two different things. And the great metaphor that I think drives that home is compared to dating, There's things that you could do when you first meet somebody and you're first starting a courtship versus things you'd say in the first 10 minutes of the conversation. I don't know, unless there's really good chemistry going on there, (laughs) but I don't know. Most like to go on our honeymoon to the beach or to the mountains. Yeah. See how weird that would be? So it, it is a slippery slope. And, you know, there is a wonderful power in asking for what you need. But I also think there is a courtship process there. Letting people get to know you, letting them understand what you do. And I have a great example that I'll, I'll state really briefly. My boyfriend and I were at a wedding last year and we were visiting with another couple at the wedding reception. We didn't know them. And of course, you get to the small talk of, well, tell me what you do. And I shared what I do. And the other woman said, oh my gosh, I'm planning a conference next year. You got to make sure that we get together and talk about more about what you do because I'm looking for speakers. So I didn't say, hey, I'm looking for more speaking engagements. I just told her what I did. And I let her decide what she wanted to do with that. And it's panned out for me with no pressure. And that's a great story, a great example. I had someone tell me uh, one time that they were always ready. If someone were just saying, hey, what's new? They would have some brief story ready Say, oh, I was just at this great event where I was giving a, a keynote speech, for example, or yeah, I was on this really cool project. We were doing this, that. And, and so that way it was a, a bit of a opening to a door that, hey, this is the kind of work that I do. And these are the kind of people I work with. And so if it somehow a light bulb goes on, like, I know someone like that. It may not be me, but I know so-and-so and and they're having their association meeting and they they need speakers or or whatever that might be. Let them connect the dots, perhaps, rather than you just saying, can you send someone my way, please? I need the money. Oh, yeah. That just... That sounds so creepy, doesn't it? It just sounds creepy. And, you know, there's also nothing wrong, I don't think, with saying, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm starting my XYZ business. Like, for example, when I went out on my own in 1989 and I was a marketing communications consultant and a business writer, and I would just let people know I'm out on my own now. I'm starting up my business. Um, I, here's, you know, I'm going to be doing copywriting and white papers and annual reports in case, and I'll just kind of let people know what I did. I didn't come out and say, Hey, I'd like your referrals or I want to do business with your brother-in-law. I just let people know what was new with me and what I was doing. And people that know me, like me, trust me, or people that had met me and knew somebody sent referrals my way. It was fantastic. But I didn't ever say to them, hey, I'd really appreciate your referrals. That just sounds creepy. <laughs> it does. So message managers, if have something ready. If someone asks you what's new, if you just say, eh, nothing much, same old, same old, then probably nothing more will happen. Do you see how much more intentional that is? I mean, I love that. And, and that's, that is in line with the, the same thing about 
have questions that you can ask other people that will start a conversation that is a conversation you want to have, whether on a, a personal level, an intellectual level, a fun, interesting level, or a business level. One of my favorite questions, and I got this listening to, oh, I can't remember his name, the guy that started the Life is Good company with his brother. Shame on me for not knowing his name, but he spoke a couple of years ago at a conference, and the question his mom asked him and his brother and his other siblings at the dinner table every night was, what are you working on? Tell me what you're working on. And it was her way of managing the table conversation amidst all these kids and letting them know that she expected things of them. She expected them to be doing something interesting and productive. And so I just love that question. What are you working on? If you're naturally inquisitive, genuinely inquisitive, then it will spark a good conversation and it gives people an opportunity to talk about themselves, which is typically pretty comfortable (laughs) in the work that they do. So, Yeah. And then, you know, giving them some time to talk about it. The balancing, the talking with the listening, I think is really important. It's one of the things that ambiverts do pretty well. That's right. One of the uh, assurances that I give clients and audiences is when it comes to their messaging is that perfection is never the goal. My advice is that if you're consistently good across your message and serving your messengers and adopting a few habits, then your business will have a huge advantage. Uh, Similarly, Patty, I've heard you say that when it comes to networking, it doesn't take that much to be better than everyone else, or at least most everyone else. That sounds very reassuring. So uh, on that, that uplifting note, what you see out there is that you don't have to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to try to get better. You just have to try a few things here and there. And and one of the big things that I often tell my audiences is make sure you follow up because so few people follow up. I even will say, you know, depending on how many people are in the room that I'm presenting to, that, you know, the percentage is that you're only going to hear from one to maybe at the most 5% of the people you've interacted with at any given event. And it's, I don't know why people don't follow up. I don't know if they are, they're trying not to be salesy or they don't know what to say, but it's as easy as collecting the business cards together, whether you collected five, which is perfectly fine, or 50, which is a little bit, that's a lot. Take a second to just shoot everybody a quick email or send them a LinkedIn invitation with an easy message that says, I enjoyed meeting you at fill in the blank on where you met. I enjoyed our conversation about, you know, whatever, or it was fun to be your conversation partner during that interactive exercise at the such and such a session. Just give them some context on how you met and where you interacted with each other so they remember who you are. And just say, if there's ever anything I can do for you, just give me a call. In the meantime, if you want to give them like a copy of an article or a link to something or offer them some value, it's not that hard. It's, it's really easy just to let people know you're grateful that you met them. This tip and lots of other very, very good ones are in Patty Danucci's book, The Intentional Networker. Patty, before we go into other ways that people can contact you and keep up with you, you are working on another book now, correct? I am. It's been a little bit of a fits and starts kind of a thing. I'm working on another book about conversation. 
because it dawned on me that until you can have an enjoyable, energizing, interesting conversation with somebody, something that makes them feel warm, something that you both enjoy, networking is always going to feel awkward. And so I thought, let's back up a little bit and do a prequel. And I would like to teach people how to have better conversations, whether socially or with their loved ones or in a business setting. So that is, I'm in progress with that. We will be tracking your progress. And I love the uh, Star Wars prequel strategy that, that <laughs> yeah, you have here. I know. Book. That is tremendous. <laughs> I never thought I'd write a prequel, but but there it is. <laughs> it sounds outstanding. And uh, so, Patty, how can our listeners learn a bit more about, I know they can find the Intentional Networker in the, the usual places, but uh, you have a website and some other resources as well. So how can we stay in touch with you? Well, my books are available on most online retailers. And if you're in Austin, Texas, Book People, which is our big independent bookstore, carries copies. My website is intentionalnetworker.com. And you can definitely see a little bit more about what I do and the companies I've worked with and some of my philosophies about networking there. If you sign up for my blog, you'll get some resources, including a free chapter of The Intentional Networker, as well as some a nice long list of networking tips that somehow my editor decided didn't quite fit into the book. <laughs> she chopped out a lot of really good material, which was my other reason for thinking I needed to have a, a second book. And, you know, and if I can be of help to any of you out there, I do coaching, I do speaking, I do workshops, love conferences, do some corporate work. It's just a blast. I love it. Patty Danucci, thank you so much for joining us on the Manager Message podcast. A lot of not only encouragement, but some very specific, wonderful guidance for all of us networkers out there. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining the conversation with the intentional networker, Patty Danucci. Some of my top takeaways from this conversation were talking about ambiversion, the middle, likely the majority between introverts and extroverts, recognizing that everyone along that personality continuum has some strengths they can bring to networking and relationship building. We also heard about tips, not only how to ask for referrals and advice, but also how to give them what we came to call diagnosis before prescription. We heard about uses and misuses of one's elevator pitch, how some people get ahead of themselves in name dropping or connecting with some people, and about the value of thinking of yourself as a curator of connections rather than a collector. The size of our networks today is less important. We're likely only a connection or two away from someone we'd really like to meet. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If so, then please do share with friends and colleagues who likewise might find this valuable. And please subscribe, rate, and review. Your five-star review will help other professionals to find us. We'll have summaries and links in the show descriptions, and you can find more resources at manageyourmessagepodcast.com or jimcar.com. Hey, on the speaking page of my website, I've included a new keynote presentation. It's great for associations, companies, business groups. I call it Loud, Clear, and Growing, How to Stand Out through your everyday messages. You know, there's a big difference between those who get serious and intentional about their message versus those who unfortunately come across as inconsistent or confusing 
or a commodity. And that can lead to the crickets chirping when you don't want that. If you know of associations, companies, organizations that might say, we would like to learn how to become message managers and have me come speak to them, please put us in touch. My email is jim at jimcar.com, K-A-R-R-H. Thanks again. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.